Welcome to Connected, a Christian podcast for young people in Gloucestershire and beyond. today with uh, Tom Herbert who um, works at a thing called the Grace Network and is involved with the Long Table. Tom thank you so much for giving your time today uh, for, for the podcast. Yeah sure well thanks for having me on Barry and hello everyone. Um, tell uh, us a bit about tell us a bit a bit about the Tom Tom growing up so oh yeah sure you kind of your childhood your teenage years. Oh, yeah, that kind right. of stuff. So I grew up in a place called Chiving Sobbury which is near Bristol. I'm the oldest of six kids and 36 grandchildren big family wow yeah so um and i grew up for the most part above hobbs house bakery in chipping sobbury my dad and uncle were bakers downstairs and so i you know grew up with all that food around me and picked it up and loved it and um the best times were when we ate together as a family or when i got to jam donuts wow. uh, <laughs> so um and um it also had uh kind of strayed into farming my grandfather grew and milled at one stage about 600 acres of organic wheat and so kind of it gave me a um a breadth of understanding uh you know where the importance of where food comes from the ingredients how to you know uh how bountiful creation can be and uh what it looks like when there's a queue for people that want the stuff that you've made and uh, there's plenty of rainy days where you have to chuck it away and feed it to pigs huh. <laughs> um, and that's not so good so yeah that's that's how I grew up with kind of lots of food loads of people lots of family um, and a Christian faith as well my family um, are all Christians and um, we used to do home church my grandparents are very um, devout and faithful Christians and um yeah we used to you know sing hymns together in the living room share cake um (laughs) listen to stories about the world and from the bible and um yeah that was that was growing up just faith and work all interweave together um yeah great and so was there an expectation on you that you would kind of take on the family business as you got older being you know part of that so intrinsic part of your your kind of growing up maybe a bit i I don't know about so much as taking on the business um uh but um i suppose it, it just was really helpful that i loved baking and getting stuck in and that um you know being inside like a cog inside this machine where you see the inputs coming in the flour the water the sourdough starter that kind of thing and then you see uh products that you've had a hand in making go on the shelves and people queuing to buy them it's just very gettable and i really enjoyed it and it was possible to kind of get better at it and understand more go deeper and so i went to baking college and um yeah as time went on i got more into the kind of leadership aspects of that which i really enjoyed yeah yeah yeah. And has there been, you mentioned creation or that, has there been a sort of spiritual element to that in terms of you, in terms of that, that kind of baking and making? Do you yeah, feel maybe. something spiritual? Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, if you're doing a repetitive job, like making thousands of rolls, it's hard not to, like, you have to find ways of dealing with the monotonous nature of trying to do something 
uh, repeated, you know, some yeah. process that re- was very repeatable. And um, I found that um, I'd often, my mind would wander to wondering who would end up eating this. Mm. Um, you know, if you're making a thousand burger buns, that's a thousand burgers. That's a thousand people eating burgers. Eating a burger is a very fine thing. I think, oh, I'm just having a small hand in kind of the the joy in this person's life. Yeah. And, um, and so... I would sometimes kind of drift into that being a prayerful intent, like praying that the people that at them would uh, would find enjoyment in it. And, yeah. and that made it a really enjoyable part of doing. It. I mean, goodness knows what's going on there, but it was just, you know, I had a lot of time to think about this stuff. And yeah. I would just pray that my work would be a blessing to those that received it. So I think people will, will know Hobbs House Bakery. It's it's kind of particularly in the, the south of Gloucestershire, maybe, mm. and and south of Gloucestershire is kind of well known, and um, you know, it's quite famous for the quality of the products it produces. At one point, didn't you have the most expensive loaf of bread in the world yeah. or something yeah. on it? So, yeah. um, so that brought you a bit of kind of status, maybe, and a mm. bit of uh, a bit of fame. You were on the TV a few times. Yeah, yeah. I had this sort of moment where I was putting out the bread and the cake in the shop in Sobbury and just noticed that like all the customers coming in were very elderly. And I did a bit of uh, quick maths and worked out that by the time I was 30, I'd have no customers left. Wow. <laughs> and it was a bit of a sobering thought like, uh oh, I've chosen the wrong career. Yeah. Um, unless I can do something to persuade people more my age that the stuff that we make is something that you want in your life and would go out of your way for when it's so easily to get easy to get from the supermarket. So that set me on a very kind of purposeful. Um, I was really alive to the idea. I had to sell my stuff to people that weren't getting it. How, how could it reach beyond these customers? And so um, I set about entering our bread into awards that allowed me to kind of speak about why I love doing what we do and why I think other people would love it. Um, teaching bread making courses, putting the bakery, my wife and I opened uh, a shop in Nailsworth, which has it's been there 20 years now, and um, and um, putting the, the production in the shop. So when you come in, you can see a chocolate cake being enrobed in thick, mm. warm melted chocolate and um, see stuff coming out of the ovens. And it really, really worked. And we started winning awards and collecting recipes for the um, cookery course that I was teaching. And, um, yeah, and then, I guess, winning awards, getting press, that started to build notoriety. And and then, um, I, you know, after a while, got the opportunity to appear in other people's TV shows. And then my brother Henry, he's fifth in the pecking order, <laughs> he, he pursued a kind of chef's career path. Uh, he got on really well with that and then the two of us were put together and we had a show called the baker brothers on channel four and then on discovery and it was just such a blast we got to share what we love doing uh with people and it ended up being quite popular in southeast asia and we did a mini series in the states all to do with barbecuing and we just had a lot of fun sharing the things that we loved and i guess all of that energy whether it was from that moment putting out bread in the shop uh, and having wonderful 90 year old women coming in for it <laughs> through to being kind of screamed at by uh, people that loved our show in singapore or kuala lumpur or whatever it was all the same kind of vibe it was just like share what we love doing 
and see that uh, each mouthful can make um, people's lives a bit better. Fantastic. So you were, a, you were a little bit of a celebrity around all of that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, I kind of remember, I think the first time I met you, you were on that kind of that journey and, mm. you know, you were getting involved in things, which was great. You got involved with Tear Fund as well, yeah. which was really interesting. Yeah. Tell us a little bit yeah. about, about the work you were doing with them. Yeah. So we got Henry and I, um, we had um, lots of offers to do charity stuff. Uh, everything from, I don't know, talking at WIs to um, yeah, being ambassadors for ch- charities. And we decided that because we were a double act and we spent a lot of time working together, that we would a bit sort of divide and conquer. We would like go our separate ways so we could do hopefully impact twice as much charity um, as if we did it together. That was the plan. So anyway, I did a demo and um, at a it was HGB's leadership conference. It must have been like 2014, 15, something like that. It was in um, the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. And um, I was asked to do uh like 20 minutes on creativity at work i was terrified about the idea but it just goes to show sometimes i feel you know the way i look at it god gives us these opportunities sometimes and if we you know my prayer then as it often is now is just like god if you want me to do this then show me what i I need to do and as i got closer i got more and more terrified uh, by thought of going out in front of this huge audience and trying to say something about creativity and I just had this idea if I used the bread making process made a dough on stage which is my bread and butter like my hands in dough is sort of where I yeah it's my home you know my comfort zone yeah. speak about that um that I could kind of put it in you know trust that the holy spirit would give me the words that need to be said that maybe there's loads going on there'd be people in the audience that needed to hear what i had to say i don't know it's not on me i just show up and be obedient and do my job yeah and um even on the way there ended up um the taxi driver asked me uh what i was doing and i only had to mention the slightest bit to do with faith and this guy started opening up to me and he's telling me the problems he was having and up you know that little in an old-fashioned taxi, you've got that little hatch cut out, which you put the change yeah. in. I held his hand through that and prayed with him outside the church. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, and that is not normal for me, just like it wouldn't be normal for most people listening. Like, that's not the kind of normal thing I do. But this guy really needed some of that living water, and I was just a vessel for it. Wow. And just felt such a privilege. So I, I bounced into that auditorium or whatever it was and um love giving my message about creativity and the the punchline of that save you having to look it up and listen it which i know you're not going to do anyway (laughs) was um was that uh you leave the dough to rest right when the dough rests it grows in strength like gets stretchier yeah and flavor character and uh that was my little tiny sermon sermon on the sabbath yeah. it's like when we rest if you take a holiday or take time out you notice that after your body gets over the shock of not moving around and being so active um that all of a sudden we kind of it's possible to be filled with like fresh life and that, that for me is a little taster of uh, what the sabbath means and what yeah. um following that principle can do so anyway tiff i were in the audience they said they worked with some bakeries would i be up for visiting them i said yes and next thing you know, I'm with Milo, my son, who is just about to turn 13. And we were under a mango tree in Laos on the border of Thailand with a dozen girls that had either escaped from or were at risk at trafficking by human traffickers. Yeah. Um, 
the sex trade and all of that uh, and slavery for farming and modern day slavery is just sort of rife in that area and tear fund were um hoping that i could just be part one of the people that delivered some kind of workshop to teach skills on the floor it's very much about what i love about tear funds approach what attracted me to them was that it wasn't about uh giving a person a fish it was about teaching someone to fish so yeah. that they could uh have a better life and so we ended up teaching churros these little um kind of donuts that you might get a, a roadside stop and stop anywhere in spain or whatever so i found the ingredients for that that project raised a million pounds that we were part of and um yeah it was just great to be a small part of sharing the light that i've received from a life of faith and and reflect some of that and share some of that with other people um yeah it's it pretty powerful and moving stuff and truth be told you know having that experience in Lao and then had a similar experience in Nairobi where in in the uh, big slums there were made friends and uh in the favelas of um Brazil yeah uh where we learned about the circular economy well each time I did a trip uh with Tear Fund and the other things that started to happen in my life it really broke me for normal life and I started to understand that in in an earlier chapter, the Baker Brothers stuff, I was really sharing recipes with people. And that was just a lot of fun and um, a great thing to do. But it was like this added secret, not secret ingredient, but this added di- dimension of where a recipe could be shared such that it could change someone's life for the better. Once I caught a glimpse of that, had a taste of that, like there was really no going back for me. I was kind of spoilt for my day job i would sit back at my desk after one of these trips and just really rack, rack my brains to try and understand how could i take the energy from this and put it into my day-to-day work without breaking the beautiful hundred year old ship that's my family business yeah. <clears throat> and just couldn't really work it out and um yeah and so you made a big choice to to change direction so you're not on tv anymore mm. you're not running the family business so so mm. what what's life like for you what's your your calling and your work now yeah i i took some time out uh you know did did lots of different things but i noticed what i love was um stopping to share a meal yeah i just felt like where that happened good things happen and life happens and where it didn't happen it just felt really sad um and so the idea of the longest the long table was born yeah it, it came from um i think it's a native american quote and if anyone can find where the source of this i'd yeah. love to know <laughs> anyway um it, the quote goes um if you have more than enough uh build a longer table not higher walls yeah and um i had i had heard of that quote whilst trump was campaigning for the, the election that he then won build the wall build the wall and i found this beautiful picture of a long table in, sort of in a meadow with a mountain backdrop with hundreds of people sitting at it it looked a bit like a wall itself because it was such a long table and i overlaid that image i, I nicked it off the yeah. internet and overlaid it with uh with the quote that i also nicked yeah um they say good artist borrow great artist steal i blatantly just yeah. <laughs> pilfered that but anyway i put the two things together and it kind of went viral and i thought oh there's you know don't build a wall you've got to build longer tables i kind of felt oh there's energy in this yeah that was in 
2015-16 so I let myself out of the family business and it was a bit of a surprise for everyone myself included when I really felt God call me to to follow yeah I didn't know where that was I just acted in faith and then tried to get up at five o'clock every morning to work diligently on like, having to-do lists and reading stuff and visiting places like really getting involved in trying to follow Jesus like see where he was yeah. and and um it was um at my lowest point like almost a year later like I had a great year I'd I managed to kind of earn a crust for myself but truth be told, I was very lonely because I was used to working with all my brothers and I basically came to the end of myself. And that was when I fell to my knees and just uh, said to God very specifically that I must be really stupid because if he's had a year of giving me signs, I ain't been seeing them. And um, and really, I just can't take any more of this, you know, being on my own and not knowing where I'm being led and uh, please just show me. And yeah. um, as I stood back up, from that kind of cry for help really I felt like the weight of the burden of what I'd carried out of having to work it out for myself kind of falling off me I felt much lighter and I sat back down at my laptop and this little alert came up as they do to annoy you with like oh someone says message you and it just came up and it was I think an email from Pete Gregg who's a, a writer yeah and I'd read his book called Dirty Glory yeah and I just had I'd made a note from that that I wanted to have um, dirt on my hands from like work, and I wanted to have knees like a camel from praying. And I yeah. and um, I just said, oh, it just I, I was sort of open, having given all the problem to God, put it at the foot of the cross as sort of the way of saying it, I suppose. Uh, I kind of felt more open to like, well, whatever's next might be fine. And I had three days in hand before Christmas, and I just found myself calling Will, who set up the food bank. He actually wasn't anything to do with the food bank by this stage. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't have his mobile number either. I bothered him on Facebook, and he, he the, for the first time, answered and said, yeah, we're looking at this big space. I don't know what to do with it. Can you come down? And so within 45 minutes of that prayer, I was looking around this space that we're now in. Yeah. And um, I just found a group of people that were like, the dirty work on your hands is like opening black sacks of donated clothes and sniffing them for a babysitter. It doesn't get much dirty on the yeah. left. And the, the money was like, live, uh, no, um, it was just a uh, minimum wage. So it, it was sort of ticking boxes, but not all of the ones that I was looking for or expecting. And as I got to know the team and we uh, trust built between us and I started cooking lunches for them, I think that maybe helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, they... You know, I started to share my dream of the long table. And they're like, well, why don't you just push these tables together in a furniture bank and do it? Like, what's hard? And, of course, it's really easy when you live with an idea or a dream to complicate it. Yeah. But look through someone else's idea, eyes. It's just like, well, what, do a meal? How like, how hard can that be? And and so there was just a great energy here and still is of just try it. Just get on with it. Yeah. And, um, and so that's really how it started. It started basically on my knees saying to god uh i can't do this on my own anymore can you show me what to do and the rest is just being following and trying to be obedient to that and i screw it up all the time yeah but he's been very uh, you know gracious in what's been possible nonetheless and now i have a team yeah i'm part of and i'm no longer on my own and um sometimes it's very cold and it's not 
without its problems, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. And that vision behind the long table is about your, some of the stuff you've already talked about from other things, bringing good quality food yeah. to people that maybe have never experienced it before yeah. in an affordable way or free to people who can't afford it. Yeah reusing ingredients that maybe other people are going to throw away so how's that going how's the long table kind of meeting that that vision yeah well um the the vision is coming alive with people eating great food together and um and it's amazing because there's people that can afford to eat out but um don't have people to eat with yeah and they can be welcomed here and if they pay handsomely that allows us to feed people that can't afford uh, to eat out and they get to eat here too and so we're just figuring all of this out mm. surprising and good stuff's happening we had the freezer of love um was a bit of a well a huge project that uh got going during the pandemic because we couldn't eat together yeah we carried on making the same good meals and freezing them down and nine other kitchens joined us from around gloucestershire um just amazing people stepped forward and made that possible and um that way and with some takeaways that we did in the meanwhile over a hundred thousand meals went out from every everyone to you know put to nhs staff uh to homeless shelters in uh, gloucester yeah that's been amazing there's still a bit of a legacy of that yeah um there's something beautiful i think about the long table in terms of the way that it it treats everybody equally so Mm. you can you can sit with your meal and like you say have played paid handsomely for it Mm. and be sat next to somebody who's had that meal for free Mm. and you unless you talk to each other and actually tell each Mm. other that you've got no idea that that's going on so everybody is treated equally and for me there's something really about that being a demonstration what the kingdom of heaven's like yeah that everybody comes to god's table in the same way and that whatever whatever we've built up in our own lives doesn't matter at god's table because we're all viewed equally in god's in god's eyes i think there's something really beautiful about that yeah a story that i love is where jesus um you know he he, at the wedding the first miracle he does he makes the best he like uh miracles um amazing wine yeah so they can have a better party what like that's the kind of kingdom i want to be yeah absolutely not because i'm I'm a big advocate for getting drunk, but just like there's something joyous yeah. about a feast, yeah. getting together, celebrating, you know, a wedding or yeah. life generally. And we have a chance to do that every day with a meal. It talks of abundance as well. Like we can't do what we do with a scarcity mindset. Yeah. And so we just have to say, well, we've been gifted this. So it's our job to gift it forward and see what happens. And so far, it's just kind of there's a real appetite for it. People want yeah. to engage in uh and, and be part of it um people are looking for new looking for signs of hope and i think when you eat at a table like the long table where you don't know who's there and why but you're all sharing the same meal um something new's in the air and new things become possible and people fall in love or make plans and yeah it's quite like it's like a proper feast things yeah things happen or life happens it's great it's a beautiful but also place. it can be a healing thing too yeah absolutely it's amazing so looking back over your life if you could go back to your i don't know 13 14 15 year old self and Mm. give yourself one word of encouragement bit of advice whatever what would it be what would you say to the the young tom starting out on this journey 
<laughs> I think probably looking back at my younger self, I was uh, very responsible and very earnest. Mm. And I think I would just encourage myself to have more fun. Yeah. Um, just like enjoy it. Like friends are to be cherished mm. and, you know, make time for your friends. Um, make time to care for yourself and whatever. Like I've teenage kids and I just see how, you know, mental health issues trying to like the feeling that we've got to have it all worked out all those kind of things that we can they can really drown us and i think there's a gift of just being in today and looking for remembering what we're grateful for and seizing the opportunities that come and not overanalyze and not try stuff out yeah um if we do it prayerfully and with a good heart to see where the opportunities go then I I found that uh, you know that way li- lies life. Yeah. And um, and if if we believe that we have the spirit of God within us, then we then we should be brave. We should try things. We should give stuff a go. We should join in. Yeah. We should put ourselves forward. It's it's kind of a muscle. It's a habit. It's a it's a way of living, and I there's just so much fear, and I think COVID has made us more fearful, yeah, and more isolated, and we're really weak when we're isolated. As I found, like when I worked on my own for a year, sure I could get lots done, but I was vulnerable, yeah, and there there's so much hurt and so much pain and so much in the world that needs putting right, and we can we have a chance to do that when we join in with others. And um, and sometimes that journey can be really hard or we can't see our way forward. Like when I was sorting through these black sacks or, or, of donated clothes, it felt really bleak. And sometimes all we can do is just show up yeah. and just be up for it. Yeah. And, um, and we can do that even better when we've got uh, friends around us and yeah. we stay close to each other and keep short account and that kind of thing. So oh, that's more than one word. That's Heck. great. That's amazing stuff. That's a whole meal. <laughs> That's a whole chapter. What, what I expect of you is a whole meal, a rich and beautiful and wonderful meal. Tom, it's been so amazing to spend time with you. Oh, Thank you so Mary. much for that. It's been great. And, uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, amazing stuff. Thank you for all you're doing and all you are. Um, cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. So that's it from Connected. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed listening to our conversations. Do listen out for the next episode and keep connected with us through our Instagram at Connect Youth. We'll see you soon.